0: There's been a scripture that we've been highlighting uh, pretty much all year. It's, it's the foundational scripture for our year, and it's found in Zephaniah 317. It's going to come up on the screen here in just, in just a few seconds. And, and I want all of us in just a moment to just read it out loud together. I'll lead you in that. Let's read it out loud together. But let's read it like, we, like, like we're the 11 o'clock service. Come on. We had an extra hour of sleep than the first service did. We've got our coffee. We've got, you know, we, we ate our Wheaties, and, and we're here we're engaged, we're excited, we're, we're, we're awake, we're alive. And let's, so let's use our 11 o'clock service voice. Let's read this out loud together. The Lord your God wins victory. Come on. And is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you, and he will refresh your life with his love. Come on, let's just celebrate the promise of God this morning. So good. So good. I want to take just a moment today to share a message with you that I believe is going to encourage many of us. And uh, because next week, we're gonna be starting a brand new series that's, that's gonna lead us, it's gonna equip us and challenge us as we approach uh, September. September's an important month for us, especially Sunday, September 8th. We're calling it a big day. And during these next few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna be equipped, we're gonna be challenged to, to, to grow in the area of prayer and to believe God that on Sunday, September 8th, as we invest in prayer, and invite an unchurched family member, friend, or co-worker to church with us on Sunday, September 8th, that they're gonna come. We're gonna see both services filled. We're gonna see people respond to the power of the gospel, the message of Jesus. And so it's gonna be an incredible fall. And so next week, we're gonna start a series. But today, I just wanted to take a moment to pause and encourage us. You know, we began the year with our vision series and and we, we, talked, we talked about how, how we're believing God God for Jesus victories this year. There are things that we wrote down that we're saying, this is what we're believing God for. It's a Jesus victory. We need a God intervention in this area of our lives. For my family and I, my wife and I, we wrote down four, four Jesus victories that we were believing God for in 2019. Many of you have written some down and many of you have actually written down the story of what Jesus has done and you've put it in our display out here in the foyer. I've come here to tell you this morning that out of the four Jesus victories we were believing God for, three of them God has answered. And we've, we've posted them on the display out in the foyer. And we're just excited and believing that he's going to answer every Jesus victory that we've been believing him for. And so we, we wanted to take a moment today to just encourage some of you that have been believing God for a Jesus victory. And maybe you're here today and you're in a valley. Maybe you're here today and you just need reminded that there is a victory at the other end of whatever it is that you're going through, amen? And so if you could do me a favor and go ahead and turn to two places in your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're gonna begin there. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. So go to the beginning and go forward five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Book Number Five. We're going to begin in Deuteronomy 11, and then if you have a paper Bible like I do, put your bookmark, or ribbon if you have one, or a paper or whatever. Put a bookmark in Second Samuel chapter five. Second Samuel five. Second Samuel is towards the middle of the Bible, and uh, put a bookmark there. We're going to hit that a little bit later on during the message, but we're going to begin. In Deuteronomy 11. If you've got a smart device, then click on Deuteronomy 11. Any scriptures that we share today are going to be on the screen behind me. You could jot down the references, and if uh, you wish to read them throughout the week during your own personal private study, you can do that. But today, I just want to encourage us today for a few moments. You know, we are, uh, my family and I, my wife and I, we are in the season. uh, This last year, we've been in the season of teaching our daughters how to drive. Both of our oldest daughters, one of them already has her driver's license and she's a, she's a great driver, does a wonderful job. And there's something that we all learn when we learn how to drive. In fact, I think it starts even way before then when we learn how to drive a bicycle because the same concept is true. I learned this when I was a young man and my father was teaching my oldest sister how to drive. She was an unlicensed driver with only a permit She's behind the driver's wheel and my father's on the passenger side of our big red rusty station wagon and I'm in the back seat and just as we're getting ready to make a corner, my dad starts to clench the seat as my sister is heading towards a telephone pole as she's making the turn. We learned something that day, a very important lesson and it's this. You go where you look. You go where you look. That's why when we're teaching Junior how to ride a bike, we tell Junior, keep your eye on the road. Because if you look telephone pole, you'll go telephone pole. And the same is true when you get into a a car. You look where you go. And the reason this message is important today because in life you look where you go. So, in other words, if you look down, you'll go down. If you look in, you'll go in. But if you look up, you'll go up. If you look forward, you'll go forward. And I've just stopped by to remind somebody here today that God has given us something to look at in the moments of darkness, in the moments of confusion, in the moments where we can't even see God, God wants us to look and see a vision or a picture of victory that'll help us get from where we are to where we need to be. Amen? And so today, I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. There's a story that we're gonna begin with there. Verse 10, the Bible says that the land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. It's different. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them where you're going is not like where you've been. Go ahead and tell them. Yeah. Where we're going is not like where we've been. And God is beginning by telling the children of Israel You're used to Egypt, but where I'm taking you, it's not like where you've been. Egypt is where you planted your seed and you irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. In other words, it was a small life. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and of valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is the land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. I want you to notice that in the verses that we just read that God says a lot in just a few words. He understands the reality that words create worlds. And just as he's getting ready to change the relationship, change the place of his people Israel from where they were to where they're going to be, he begins by giving them a picture, giving them a vision of victory. Egypt is a geographical location. In fact, it's in the same place today where it was, however many thousands of years ago this was written. So we know that Egypt is a real place, it's a real nation, but Egypt is also symbolically, in our Bible, symbolically, Egypt stands for the world, the system, the bondage, the slavery that God has saved us from. Egypt is where we lived before God. Notice that in Deuteronomy, it kind of describes that kind of life. It's a small life. It's a life where I'm number one, I'm number two, I'm number three. It's void of God intervention. It's void of God activity. I plant, I sow the seed, I water. It's the kind of life that if I were to experience any level of success, any level of achievement, I would be solely responsible for that. It's whatever best I can do. But I thank God that he saved me from Egypt. And that he invited me into a relationship with him. And like Israel, he's brought me to a place that's not Egypt. It's not all one. It's not all me. It's not all you. It's you and it's God. That we're in a place with God where he's intervening. There's the God factor. There are things that God does. I might plant the seed, but God waters. And it's an incredible relationship where when we do the natural, he does the super. And wow, supernatural stuff just happens. Amen. That's the world that God has brought us into through Jesus. So this is a picture. What's interesting is that God paints a picture of victory, yet at the same time lets them know that it's also a place of both mountains and valleys. It's a place where you'll experience mountaintop experiences, where everything is wonderful, everything is great, everything is popping and happening, and, and it's the sunny days, it's the good days, but you'll also experience moments of valley, valley experiences where it's not the sunny days, it's the stormy days, it's the bad report, it's the difficult days, the days of confusion, the days where, of, where, of loneliness, of darkness. And God promises us not every day to be a mountaintop experience, but he tells us there'll be mountains and there'll be valleys. And what we need in moments like this is just a reminder that where you look, you go. And that even in moments where you experience low valley moments, God has just brought me here to remind somebody here this morning that no matter what you're going through, turn your eyes upon Jesus, your eyes fixed on him. He's the author and finisher of your story, of your faith, and he has a vision of victory at at the end of whatever valley you're facing in life today. So I want to share with you this morning... I wanna share with you this morning, I found three valleys very quickly I wanna give you in the scriptures that God can give you the victory in. As we are still believing God for a Jesus victory in our life, you may find yourself in one of these valleys, but I wanna encourage you today, if you look where you go, I want you to look at the vision of victory that God has for you in whatever valley you're in. So the first, the first valley that we find is found in Second Samuel chapter 5. I asked you to turn there, put your bookmark there. And so Second Samuel 5 verse 17, the Bible says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? I want you to notice how God paints a picture of victory, how God gives David a vision of victory before he even steps foot into this valley. And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal, Perazim, and David did exactly what God said he would do. He defeated them there. God gave him the victory. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal, Now, this right here, these few verses that I just read to you, this is a preacher's smorgasbord. I mean, we could stay on here for weeks because there's so much in this. There's so so much good, uh, good content, things that speak to our hearts. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, there's a valley called the Valley of Rephaim. In Hebrew, Rephaim translated means giants, plural, giants. And the Bible says that it was there that the sons of Anak, who's Anak, he was the granddaddy of all the giants, of Goliath. And the sons of Anak deployed themselves against David in the valley of giants. It was the Valley of Giants. And so the first valley that I want to, I want God to give you a picture, show you a vision of victory is the Valley of Giants. Notice that the Bible clearly calls that place by its first name, the Valley of Rephraim, or the Valley of Giants. David inquires of the Lord and asks God the question, what are you going to do in this valley? And God begins by painting a picture of victory for David. He gives them a vision of victory. He says, doubtless, you could take this to the bank. No confusion here. Without a question, I will give you the victory. And as God begins to speak this to him, the Bible then says that that the victory was so sure was so strong that even before david got into the battle he decides to rename the valley of rephaim baal perizim what's baal Perazim means baal was a demon god of the philistines and uh perizim means like a breakthrough of water so here david is getting ready to enter the valley of giants and because of the picture Of victory, the vision of victory that God gave him, he decides to rename his Valley of Giants the valley where God is going to break through my enemies. The the valley where God is going to break through the giants. Have you ever been in the Valley of Giants? Where it wasn't just one big problem, but you've got multiple giants coming at you? Gigantic problems that seem so big and you seem so small. What if God were to give us such a vision of victory that we begin seeing our valleys and our darkest moments in life, not just as the opposition that they are, but as the opportunities for God to give us a breakthrough? Could it be that some of the things that we're going through and some of the giants that we're facing it's because God has already given us a picture or a vision of victory on the other end of it, but we've not seen it, and we're freaking out, and we're scared. And it's just like God to change the name of your opposition and to, make, and to change it and give you the victory and give you a picture and a vision of what's to come. If you, only you would hold on, if only you would trust Him a little longer, God gives us victory in the valley of giants. Let's praise Him for just a moment. But listen, here's what this necessitates, because the scriptures are replete with God having to paint a picture to his people. Of, give, he gives them a vision of victory. He gives them something to look at, because if they don't, they'll look at the giant, they'll look at defeat, they'll look at failure, and their lives will go that direction, but God is intentional that on the front end, he gives you a vision of victory. You might say, well, God hasn't given me a vision of victory. He's given it to you right now. He's, taught, he's dropped me by to tell somebody that, listen, you might, you might be beginning the valley, you might be in the middle of it, but I'm here to paint a picture and a world with words that says to you that there is no giant and no valley that can overcome you and overtake you, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and God is for you and not against you. Throughout Joshua's campaign, God's word to him and the people of Israel was, do not fear, do not be afraid. Because listen, if you're going to live from victory to victory, you've got to get used to fighting. You've got to get used to conflict. Comfortable Christianity does not cut it in today's culture. And I've learned that human nature, by default, we choose comfortability over conflict. Always. And people want great victories, but they prefer small confrontations. We want great breakthroughs, but little battles. But do you know that victories that come easy are cheap? And some of the greatest things that, that we fight for, some of the greatest battles that we're facing, it's not because we're bad, it's not because we did something wrong, but it's because on the other end of it, there's a great victory behind every great giant. There's a great breakthrough and a great God that believes in us and has put something on the inside of us for us to experience a breakthrough. When our team got together this year to to name the giants that we face as a community. To name them. Because God has called us to take names. And to not just offer an anemic, pale, soft version of Christianity to our culture that lacks conflict, that lacks victory, that lacks passion, that lacks breakthrough. But when we began naming these giants, we saw three that were looming large in our region. I found it interesting that whether you're from western Pennsylvania, northeast Ohio, this whole region is affected by something that we know all know of as the Mahoning Valley. Isn't it interesting that in the midst of that valley, God would decide to plant a flag of victory, a church of victory in the midst of the Mahoning Valley? A valley that affects five counties around it, whether you're from Farrell, Pennsylvania, Sharon, Newcastle area, whether you're from Canfield or Columbiana or Warren, this whole region, the Mahoning Valley has three major giants that we see. One of them is broken homes. This region is marred by the giant of broken homes. And there's so many things that we can do that, to, to, and, and we, we know that the economy needs fixed. Our education system needs fixed. There's food deserts. There, there, there's so many things problems within our communities that if we try to solve them all we'll we'll just we'll, we'll go bankrupt it's like where do we even start but listen at the very nucleus of every major issue that our world faces at the very core at the very center at the very foundation of every societal problem is a broken family We know that if there's any giant that God wants us to confront, it's the giant of broken families. Another giant in this region is a giant of poverty. This giant of poverty has raised the championship belt and has said it is won in our region. And it defies the church to dare step foot into the valley to challenge it. With a with with a with a voice of triumph and with a with with a voice of pride, it, it has it has declared victory in this valley. The giant of poverty. Another giant is God. Confusion. Many in our region are unchurched, which means that they are misinformed when it comes to God. And then we have many there are churched. Which means that they are, they are, excuse me, the unchurched is uninformed. The church is misinformed. With God confusion. They think God is upset and angry all the time. They don't know that God is for them. They don't know that God loves them. They don't know that God has a plan for them. And so God confusion prevails. And here we are in the Valley of Rephaim. And God is wanting to raise up a church and give them a vision of victory. It was not an accident that our name is Victory. It's more than just something that we plaster on our walls, put on our business cards, or place in our programs. God is not just wanting us to be a noun of victory, but he's wanting us to be a verb of victory, to take Jesus' victories into our world, into our communities, and fight some giants, because that's who we are, that's who he's called us to be. It necessitates conflict I want you to understand that the reason that they attacked David you know why they attack him the Bible says it says it in verse 17 it says because he was anointed that's why they attacked David they attacked David because he was simply anointed they had anointed him and the Philistines heard it and they said let's attack him because he was anointed The anointing of God is very significant. The anointing on your life personally and on our lives corporately is significant. The anointing of God on our lives is, for, is, for, is not for us to become popular, to preach better, or to pray louder. But the anointing of God signifies God's choice, and God's purpose and watch this David didn't do anything but just because he was anointed he found himself in the fight of his life not just one giant like in first Samuel with Goliath but an army of giants I'm here to tell you that sometimes you go through things not because you did something wrong, not because you did something bad, not because people are just being bad people. But sometimes heaven, hell wakes up to the anointing that's on your life and recognizes that if I don't stop her and if I don't stop him where they are right now, they're going to get to a place in God because God has victory on the other end of it. And listen to me. Hell doesn't come against you because of your past. He'll bring it up. But he's not coming against you because of your past. He's not even coming against you because of your present. He comes against you because of your future. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, for our church, and that is to defeat some giants in this community. We're anointed for it, and just because you're anointed. well, I tell you, when I got this revelation... Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why the sabotage? Why the Judas? Why the backstabbing? Why the pressure? And when you get this revelation, you go from blaming people and you go to recognizing that quite possibly the giants that you face in life are commensurate to the anointing that you carry. And that means if you're facing a big giant, watch out, baby, that means you got a big anointing. If you're facing a big battle, that means it's because God has placed something on the inside of you that's big, that's bad, that's scary. Come on. When I figured this out, I said, come on. Come on with your bad self. You are so anointed, Victory Christian Center, to do more than just sit in padded pews and sing songs that we barely believe we are made for more but it necessitates a conflict here's the second valley number two is the valley of present conditions a vision of victory in the valley of present conditions because when god shows you a vision of victory in your life it will often be counteracted by your present conditions Your present conditions, your present resources, and your present self often contradict God's vision of victory in your life. And sometimes the darkest valley to go through is not the valley of giants. It's the valley of present condition where the fight is not outward. The fight is inward. And the enemy you face is the person you look at in the mirror, your present self that's why he said in Habakkuk when God gives you a vision you better write that bad boy down When God speaks something to you in an atmosphere like this or in a service like this about your marriage, about your children, about your future. Because right now what's happening is all over this building and those watching online, God is giving you a picture, a vision of victory in an area of your life, in a valley of your life. And faith is stirring and faith is rising up and hope is coming into your heart. You write that down. You know why? Because you're going to need it. Write the vision. Make it plain. Because the reason I need you to write it down is because you're gonna forget when you go back into reality. You're gonna forget it. You get in a good service like this, and God will show you a vision of victory, of your marriage being blessed, of your finances being blessed, of you overcoming. He'll give you hope, He'll give you faith. But then you hit reality, present conditions. And you've got to learn that the vision is greater and not limited just because your present conditions don't measure up to it. Present resources, your present resources will seldom match the vision that God gives you. You know what they call resources for vision? They call it pro-vision. I don't know why they call it pro-vision. Pro means before, which means that it should come before the vision. But very seldom do you get the pro-vision before you get the vision. Usually the way it works, if God gives you the vision and you step out and then somewhere down the line the provision comes along. And God will speak something to you and you're in the valley of present conditions. Your present resources don't match up. Maybe it's your present self. What do you mean? Well, I mean that there's a present self and there's a future self. Did you know that? And when God shows you his destiny for your life, his vision for your life, he does not show you where you are right now. You know what he shows you? He shows you your future self. I am walking in today what God showed me years ago. And when he spoke to me years ago, he wasn't talking to present one. He was talking to future one. I felt back then what I'm experiencing now. I saw back then what I'm experiencing now because God was speaking things into my life that wasn't even evident yet. But he does that. He speaks to your present self things pertaining to your future self because there's a future you. There's a better you. How, how, many of you, how, how many of you are looking forward to growing, to maturing, to becoming a better version of you? Yeah, yeah. And so That's what God speaks to. He speaks to future you. You are better than you are right now. And he shows you're better. That's the future you. There's a present you and a future you. And the point is, when God gives you a real vision, you don't feel adequate. You don't feel qualified. You don't feel good enough. It seems bigger than you are. It is because you are dealing with your present self, but God is calling into reality your future self, and he's going to take you through a process so that when you get there, you can handle it. Lastly, valley number three, and we'll close, close up with this. Lastly, there's another valley. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, it's called the Valley of Dry Bones. And number three, God wants to give you a vision of victory in the Valley of Dead Dry Bones. The Valley of Dry Bones represents the place of dead dreams and failed visions. Have you ever had a dream die? Have you ever had your vision fail? Have you ever had God speak to you and only to see that thing that he spoke to you pass away? And you try to resuscitate it. You try to give it mouth to mouth, but the sheet has been pulled over it. And everybody tells you it's over. There's no hope. The dream is dead. The vision has failed. Consider what Ezekiel saw in that valley. Ezekiel saw bleached bones, he saw a barren valley, he saw black vultures, he saw nothing but an atmosphere that was full of death and discouragement. And right in the middle of that valley of dead dreams and failed visions, God said, open up your mouth and prophesy to the dead bones. Listen to me, we think that prophecy is something that super spiritual people do. But can I give you a definition of prophecy that's simple? All prophecy is, is speaking what God says about that situation to that situation. What does God say about the Mahoning Valley? What does God say about Northeast Ohio? What does God say about your child? What does God say about your marriage? What does God say about America? And oftentimes, what he says is contradictory to the reality that we face. But all prophecy is, is speaking what God says to that situation about that situation. He said, I want you to speak to dead, dry bones. And the thing that makes us different from the world's crowd is, as followers of Jesus, we learn to talk to dead things. We talk to dry things. You know what? If something is drying up, if something is dying, you've got to learn the power of your tongue to open up your mouth and to speak the Word of God into that situation. One of the things that makes us different is that instead of playing taps, instead of mourning, instead of burying and throwing dreams and visions and and all that stuff into the grave is we've learned to talk to dead things. Because we serve a God that looks at dead things and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will not die. He will live. So we learn to talk to dead marriages when everyone else says it's over. When they say it's over, we learn to talk to dead diagnoses. When the doctor says there's nothing more that can be done, they say it's over. We've learned to talk to dead dreams and communities, dead neighborhoods dead vision, seemingly dead children, who are ostracized and broken. We've learned to talk to dead things, and when they say, we say, but there is a God in heaven. There's a God who deals in the realm of impossibilities, and His greatest moments Is when he takes the impossible and by my God we can do, we can take the impossible and now because of him it's possible. Dead things come to life. No marriage you will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. No devil you can't have my children. As for me and my house we shall serve the Lord. And you've got to get a picture, a vision of victory in the valley of dead, dry bones. It's how we're going to survive this moment in this region. It's for us to get a prophetic picture of what shall be. And God will speak to present victory like he's speaking to future victory. Imagine what it would look like. Imagine, this is the moment where you allow God to draw the picture. Imagine what it would look like in your life personally and imagine what it would look like corporately. If we became the giant killers that we were called to be. If we became people that spoke things into our community that maybe isn't evident yet, But we heard from God as to what the potential and the future is. And as we spoke life to dead things in our families, in our communities, and in our relations, imagine what it will look like if a church got a hold of this, that God is wanting to paint a picture of victory, a vision of victory. I want to grab a hold of that. You know, they say that in this post-christian culture that the church is down they'll tell you that the church is down in almost every area and they may be true but here's what I know the devil is down too and the first one who gets up wins come on let's stand to our feet this morning let's celebrate Jesus today Come on, give the Lord a shout of victory this morning. As we get ready to close today, here's what I wanna do. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna give every person, any person that needs prayer for any reason an opportunity to receive prayer. It's what we do every week here at Victory Christian Center is we pray for people. You don't have to be a member of Victory to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. Listen, we all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. But maybe you're here and you find yourself in one of these valleys. You're in a valley of giants or you're in a valley of present conditions or you're in a valley of of dead, dry dreams. We want to pray for you. We want God to give you a picture of victory. Because where you look, you will go. And if all you do is stare at that darkness, at that battle, at that giant, at that defeat, we don't want you going there, we want you to see victory. We want God to paint a picture of his victory in your life, in that area, to give you hope, to give you a future. And then we want to celebrate the Jesus victory with you when he brings you through. Amen. And so if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, in just a moment, we're going to dismiss you and we'll give you an opportunity to receive prayer. In fact, honey, would you join me? And if our prayer team can come right now as well, our prayer team is coming. Here's what we're going to do. My wife and I, we're going to bless you. And at the end of this blessing, we're going to dismiss you. And we're going to dismiss you to come, receive prayer. Allow God to give you a picture of victory. If God's given you one already, you write it down. You take courage. You be encouraged today. Keep your eyes open as we bless you. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. The victorious one over death, hell, and the grave. I bless you today. I bless you that whatever valley you may find yourself in, if it's the valley of giants, that God would put such courage in you and show you a picture of victory in that valley of giants, that you would rise up as a giant killer and a giant slayer. If you find yourself in the valley of present conditions, I bless you, and I command the resources of heaven, the provision of heaven to come to you swiftly. And I declare moments over your life where God speaks things over you that may not be evident, but he speaks about future you. I bless you. If you find yourself in the valley of dead, dry bones, I speak the resurrection power of Jesus into your life and into that situation. I bless you to look up, to look out, to look forward, to look at the fields which are white for the harvest, to look unto him, the author and finisher of your faith. I bless you to look to Jesus. So that you would go up, so that you would go forward, so that you would go out into the world challenging everyday people to experience every victory in Jesus. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, just come. We want to pray for you this morning.